Hey, this is Kevin, the student pastor at Short Church Again. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We strive each week to bring relevant, practical, biblical teaching that meets you where you are. To stay up to date with what's going on at the church or to support the mission financially, head over to scog.com or download our app. I hope you enjoy the message. So this morning we're going to talk about how do we start off the new year on the right foot. Right? We've got to recalibrate, kind of figure out what that all looks like. Um, maybe we can take a moment in the, the time that we have before the new year. There's not like a, you don't, at midnight, you don't have to, oh, I have to have my life all figured out. It's 11.59, quick, give me a life plan, God. That doesn't have to be how it goes. But uh, sometimes we, we put that internal pressure on ourselves and we come up with a bad plan. Okay, uh, but we need to take a time, take a moment. Maybe you've had a couple of days off uh, from work, uh, whatever that may be. Maybe the kids are a little quieter because they're playing with the toys you just got them. Maybe they're louder because you, you, they're playing with the toys that you just got them, or they're fighting over the toys that you just got them. Um, that's not happening in my house. Uh, <laughs> never. Uh, but let's just uh, maybe maybe just carve out some time, escape to a coffee house, whatever that needs to be. Because what we want to talk about today, I think, can, can help change the trajectory of 2019. For me, this is, I'm going to have a broader goal. I had very specific goals uh, for 2018, and I failed miserably at 2018. Uh, yeah, that felt good. I was supposed to run 365 miles in the year. I thought, mile a day, I can do this. I think I got posted like three uh, as you can tell, uh, but uh, got like three in that. So that one failed. I was supposed to read uh, 52 books. I was trying to read a book a week. Um, I actually started running out of books that I was interested in reading. Um, so that was a problem. And the ones I was interested in reading is like this big. And I was like, well, that's, that should count like as three books. If it's over a thousand pages. That should count more. Right. Um, but I got, I think about 36 books into that. Um, I was supposed to have, um, meet with 50 people. The problem is I made friends with two with the first people that I met with and I liked having breakfast and lunch with them. And so that stayed at a steady number because I kept on having, I like Perry too much and I kept on uh, eating with him. So I blame Perry. It's not his fault. Uh, but I got, I got about halfway done with that one too. It's still okay, but man, did I, I was like swing and a miss, swing and a miss, swing and a miss, but that's okay. So I, I wanted to go a little broader this year in what I was thinking about and I think this might be healthier as well, is I wanted 2019 to be a year of bringing life. Of bringing life. I want, I do too many things. I have too much stuff in my life that seems to bring death into my own life. It, it, it pushes me down. It brings me, uh, gives me anxiety or, or pushes me towards the depression factor or just, uh, you know, every, there's too much March in Chicago, right? There's, there's too much of the, the, the dreary. How do I start to bring life into my life? How do I make the choices and the things that I can control? There's going to be bad things that happen, right? You're going to have a boss that you can't not have that boss. You're going to have this issue overarching. You're still going to have to pay taxes, right? There's these things you can't deal with, but what are the things that I bring into my life that bring dead into my own life that I can get rid of, that I can prune out, that I can say, you know what? We don't need that anymore. So that's what we're going to talk about uh, this morning. There's a couple of choices that I want to make. Um, we're going to read from John chapter 15. It's about the vine and the branches. So John chapter 15. I love the gospel of John. The gospel of John, whether you have been a Christian or interested in Christ, um, it is fantastic. 
Fantastic for someone who's just trying to figure it out. It's also fantastic for someone who's been a Christian for 50 years. It's so deep and so just saturated in wonderful teaching moments that I, um, I just I enjoy John so much. And so I, I thought of a couple challenges this morning, if you like New Year's challenges. Uh, the first would be read. This is easy mode. This is easy mode. So if you want easy mode, this is it, and we'll go escalate in, in hardness, okay? The first one would be read John through once a month for 12 times. That, that would be once every month of the year, okay? Uh, so read John through 12 times. Now, don't rush through and get it all done in Jan- uh, January. You read it once. Go slow. That's about one or two chapters a day. And just plot along in John. And you're going to get very familiar with John. November John's going to be way different than February John. If you can get through June and July John, because you're going to be bored, because it's like, oh, I just read this. If you get through that, I'll go ahead and tell you, there'll be a, a, a lull. Like, yeah, I know he did this. The word was going to the flesh and the flesh. Okay, got it. If you get through that lull and you get into the fall and you're reading John once a month, you're going to go, whoa. That was in there. I've read this 11 other times. I missed that. How did I miss that? That will happen. Uh, second, elevating us, uh, uh, going through each of the four Gospels once. So do uh, Matthew in January, Mark in February. Um, I'm having a pop quiz of what the months are. Uh, March is uh, Luke, and then do John uh, in April. So just kind of boom, 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 repeat it. You should read each one of the Gospels three times in a year, right? Um, so you can do that. It's easy, 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 easy stuff. That's one or two chapters a day. That's not the month with March in it, or with uh, Matthew, Mark, with Mark in it, you're going to be loved. There's only 16 chapters there. Like, Woohoo, I'm done. I get a couple days off. Now, when you have those days off, you got to pick it back up again the next month, okay? Because I know those days off, if you're anything like me, that's what happened to my three miles of the year. I started out real strong. I took a day off, flatline for the rest of the year, right? Um, so I'm also that way with salads. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> that happens. So uh, you can challenge that way. You can read the Bible through the year. If you're really you're like, give me the hard stuff. I want to do the P90X of Bible reading, Jared. You read the Bible in 90 days. I got a plan for you. I got a plan for the, for the it's also a new version on, on your phone if you want to do that. Uh, and there's even a crazier one, the, the insanity version of it. I did this one once and I like, couldn't read the Bible for like three months afterwards because I was like, mm. I read it through in 66 days. And I don't do that to toot my own horn. I read it through in 66 days because I'm weird. But I had a baggie of books of the Bible. I divided Psalms into like three different little strips of paper and Jude got thrown in with like three other books because Jude's, you can read it in two minutes, okay? Uh, and so I pull out a strip of paper and I'm like, okay, not doing Leviticus. Okay, pick a new one. <laughs> so anyway, pick, a, pick another one, but I did that for 66 days and, and read the Bible there in, uh, in 66 days. And that was an amazing experience. You read it differently when you're reading it like a, uh, in that massive amounts of time. You know, you get it in. And then you get it, read it differently if you're reading just a chapter a day. Neither one's wrong. They're, they're used for different seasons of life. Why am I so big on the Bible reading this morning? One, because it's the most important thing you, you could do. Two, because I am very challenged right now. My daughter, my little one, uh, Lucy, is attributing ownership to everything. She is 23 months old, right? So, Dennis, Bobos, E's. E is Kendall, because she can't say sissy, and she definitely can't say Kendall. So, E... Uh, mama, and this is, this, everything's got ownership and you better sit in your prescribed seat. You better drink from your prescribed cup and heaven forbid 
somebody sneaks a drink out of somebody else's cup, you have crossed the line, mister. Okay. So there's ownership for everything. The problem is my daughter brings me the remote and says, da-da, which is nice because I never have to look for the thing. And if I put it down, da-da, okay, I'll hold it. <laughs> it's mine. It's my precious, right? But you got the remote. Do you know how many times she's brought me a Bible? None, null, zip, de da. None. This is a problem. That the ownership she sees in me, she's much more rather uh, likely to bring me a phone or bring me a remote than the word of God. So what she describes as ownership of what is dad's is a remote and a phone. Ways in which to be entertained, not ways in which to be nourished. That's challenging, folks. What would your two-year-old, if you had a two-year-old, what would they bring you? Is it a can of Coke? Is it a coffee? Is it a remote? Is it a pack of cigarettes? What, what would they bring? That's a, you might not be like, that's why I don't have two-year-olds, Jared. Um, I don't want to look in that mirror. But you start seeing yourself through that vision, through those eyes. You go, ooh, I got some. I thought I was doing all right with my habits. I'm not doing all right with my habits. And so uh, I've kind of been mulling around. How do I change that? How do I, how do I fix that in my life? How, do, how are there some things I need, just need to readjust? I'm not looking for a whole overhaul of how I operate in life. Maybe you need that. But I'm going, you know what? When someone thinks about me and they think about the first thing, that, oh, that's dad's. That's Jared's. What are they thinking about? I don't want it to be my phone or a remote. Anyway, uh, John chapter 15. Kelly and I have, uh, we used to have two fights a year, uh, planned out fights of the year. We have more fights than that, but uh, play like show off. Uh, But uh, (laughs) we had two planned out fights of the year. We have since worked through this. Uh, we've, we've come to a better agreement. This year, we didn't fight when we brought in the Christmas tree. Boom. So taking it out is going to be miserable. I'm just going to say. No, uh, but we didn't fight when we brought in the Christmas tree this year. I think it's because we bought a way nicer tree um, that uh, didn't uh, shed its needles on the way in. It's, it's always a bad sign when you bring in the tree in and it's already like snowing green needles and you're like, oh, didn't get the right one. Whoops, a daisy. Um, so we brought in the tree. We, we talked about that. It was good. But we always had this fight over when we brought in the Christmas tree. And if you think about that in your own life, when do you have arguments? When do you fight with your spouse or your kids? I bet it's over when you bring dead things into your life. Think about how stupid it is we bring a Christmas tree into our home. We're bringing a, a, a object. Something that was living. We killed a beautiful thing to bring it into our home to look at it. We bring a fire hazard into our house. Right now, I love a Christmas tree. I love it all decorated and uh, uh, not anti-Christmas tree. I'm just saying, this is kind of a weird thing. When we bring dead things into our life. And the same thing happens when we bring gossip, when we bring pornography, when we bring comparison, when we bring resentment into our life. We're bringing, we're going outside ourselves, bringing dead in, and then we wonder why something is weird and why we're having conflict and why issues are arising. Do you hear me on this? Because when we bring that stuff in, maybe I've fallen into the trap recently. I have twins. It's really hard not to compare twins. 
right? It's really hard because she's like, she did that? Fine. Why is your finger up your nose? Like, what, what is this? What is this? Her room looks like this. And oh, sweet Lord, like, what happened? Right? And you want to compare. Why can't you be like your sister? Why can't you do this? Why can't you be like the two-year-old? You know, you, and you want to compare. That's not fair to him. Why can't you be like his wife? Why can't you be like him? Why can't you do that? Why can't you make that much money? The same garbage we bring in to put on our kids, we put on our spouses. That's dead. There's no life there. We got to cut that out. And so this year, I want it to be a year of life. And so I want to not bring dead things into my home. And so that's what we're going to work on this year. I want to help you work with as well. I thought it turned it off. I'm sorry. Um, I apologize. Uh, Okay. Uh, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that he will, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like the branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. There's a few things I want to strip out of this. This is so packed. You could just kind of sit on this and meditate on it for hours and get a lot more stuff out of it uh, every time you read it. So I want to kind of guide you in the exploration of this scripture. First thing I want to point us to is we get to participate in what God is up, up to, not dictate it. And as we think about the dead things in our life and the own, our own goals for this next year, we have to reframe our, our, our thinking to align with this. We get to participate into what God is up to, not dictate it. We get to participate in what God is up to, not dictate it. That means you're not in charge. God is. That's not comfortable, right? But if he is the vine and we are the branches... The branches don't get to tell the roots where to be. The branches don't get to tell the the vine how much it's going to grow. The branches get to do the bearing of the fruit. That is their job. They don't get to dictate everything else. This is where I'm at. The branches don't go, you know what? I'd like a sunnier place. That'd be great. Uh, So vine, if you could lift me up about three feet, that'd be. That's not how this works. We get to participate in what God is up to, not dictate it. We get that wrong. If you listen to my prayers, you would listen sometimes. My cranky prayers are me telling God where I'm supposed to be planted and where I'm supposed to be doing and the fruit that he's supposed to be producing on my branches. Right? You guys have cranky prayers? Can we admit that this morning? We have cranky prayers. That's okay. But it's not, when you think about it, we get to participate in what God is up to, not dictate it. The other part of this beautiful, beautiful point is that God is wanting us to be a part of his plan. That God says, I'm the vine, you're the branches. You get to bear the fruit. You, you get to bear the fruit. It's not my job. My job is to support and equip you. Your job 
is to bear the fruit. What does that mean? What does that look like? What does that, what does it even mean for our life? Because my prayers often are like, God, why don't you, uh, you know, I wish this person would show up or this person, uh, this relationship would change or uh, this, my marriage would get better or the, my kids, you know, would you fix my, my child in this way? Would you do this? Would you, would you do that? These are all fruit issues. If you would fix this relationship, if you'd fix my, uh, my attitude or their attitude, these are all fruit issues. Whose purview is the fruit? yours, not God's. God goes, God goes, you know, I give you the nourishment. I give you the Holy Spirit. I give you the power. It's your job to do the fruit. So often we ask God to take care of the fruit as well. We want to be the vine. We want to be the one that's in charge of the location of everything. And God's like, no, 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 no. You can't hold out for a management position. That's my job. You bear fruit. And sometimes we get very feisty about that. So if we're talking about, um, God, please change these relationships. God, please fix that person because they're an idiot. That's not the appropriate prayer, by the way. Um, We'll just go ahead and clear that up. Uh, God, because what needs to change is, Lord, help my heart when dealing with this person. Okay, now we're in a fruit issue. Do you see the difference in that? We're not praying at somebody. We're praying for somebody. And sometimes we need to pray for ourselves when we go and are in community with somebody else. Lord, how do I change my attitude in this? This is vital in your, in your marriages, by the way. Vital in your marriages. Praying for someone instead of about somebody. It's a lot different. Why does that change? Because if we're going to be the ones who bear the fruit... We are tasked with going and changing those relationships. We have been empowered to go do that. That's actually our job. That's the role of the Holy Spirit to say, hey, you know what? Do it. Here's the nutrients. Here's the stuff. Go. And we're like, "Mm, I like nutrients. And what happens when you don't give away nutrients? You don't do stuff with it? You get fat. Right? You store it up. And you're just like, "Mm, I like energy and sugar. Sugar's made. To power you to move. If you don't use it, you add weight. I know the science. I just don't, uh, you know, do the things about it. <laughs> we get to participate in what God is up to, not dictate it. All right, here's the next point I want to bring to you this morning. The longer you hold on to dead things, the messier your problems will be. The longer you hold on to dead things, the messier your problems will be. The longer you hold that Christmas tree in your home, the messier taking it out will be. If you do like Kelly would like and remove your Christmas decorations at Valentine's Day, you're going to have some issues and also a fire hazard, right? The longer you leave pornography in your life, the messier it's going to be when you try to remove it. The longer you keep your addictions, the harder it's going to be to take it out. The longer you let behavior continue with your two-year-old or with whoever, your teenager, the messier it's going to be when you try to take it out. Understand that? Because when we, we let, when we invite dead things into our life, we've already caused a problem, but the longer we let it fester and mess up everything else that's going on there, the harder it is when we have to take it out. See, Kelly and I uh, also fight. The second prescribed fight was when uh, we removed the Christmas tree from the house, right? You guys got that fight down too? 
because, um, you know, you didn't hold the door open for me. I'm sorry that grandma's special ornament was still on the tree when I took it outside. You know, <laughs> whoops-a-daisy. Like, uh, you know, there's a fight there, but the fight is silly because why are we fighting? Because this dead thing that we brought in our house is making a mess. Well, no, duh, that's what dead trees in homes do. And I just want to warn you, when you start taking dead things out of your life, it gets messy. And if you don't tell your spouse that you're trying to remove dead things from your life, they're going to be going, what in the world is wrong with you? And why did you keep on taking away my TV? You know, you got to be on the same page on that one, by the way. All right. But when you start removing dead things of your life, when you start removing the, the gossip and the comparison and the resentment and all these things of your life, it's messy. It's hard. And it'll cause some conflict in that because growth doesn't come out of just easy. It comes out of conflict. The longer you hold on to dead things, the messier it will be. I'll tell you a great story about uh, my grandpa. My grandpa was a little bit insane. This is my mom's father. So now you're like, Oh, fits. Um, this is my mom's father. I get a lot of stuff from my grandpa. Uh, my mom and I get our love of children from my grandpa. We get, um, kind of our energetic personalities from our grandpa, from my grandpa. We, um, get our, just a lot of things from him. Um, hopefully we get our smarts from our grandma. Uh, but grandpa was, was a brilliant man. Actually, he retired when he was 40. Um, he worked really, really hard and he was just an awesome guy. Well, we were living in California at the time. I'm just a baby. And every five minutes in the 80s, uh, when uh, it was Christmas time, every five minutes, the commercial would come up with a PSA to say, do not put your Christmas tree in the fireplace. Do not put your Christmas tree in a fireplace. Do not put your Christmas tree in a fireplace. Because what happens in California at this time of year? We had a huge forest fire a couple weeks ago. You guys remember that? Well, we didn't, but they did. Had a huge for- couple forest fires because it's dry. And if you shove a fire, uh, a, uh, what happens when you burn a Christmas tree? I am not against burning Christmas trees, by the way, just not in your fireplaces. All right? So if you need a junior high sun bonding moment, burn your Christmas tree. It is the coolest thing ever. <laughs> Woo! All right. Um, just make sure grandma's ornament, ornaments off of it before you do it. So anyway, so grandpa decides, he's like, this is stupid. I don't want to take it out to the, the thing. They take all the stuff off it. Grandpa bends that tree in half, snap, shoves it in this big fireplace, <gasps> burns his eyebrows off and all the ar- hair off his arms. Do not burn your Christmas trees at Christmas time, right? But the longer you hold dead things in, the messier they're going to be. The more flammable they'll be, the more problems they're going to cause. And if you don't dispose of the messy things properly in your life, you can catch yourself on fire. While it worked for my grandpa, it also works for us in the spiritual and the emotional. Right? We got to be careful how we remove these things. If we just start throwing stuff out of fire without, you know, working through it in a healthy manner, we can catch ourselves on fire. It's a danger. But that the positives way outweigh the danger. Some of us are like, well, I don't want to catch my house on fire. This relationship's already dicey enough. I don't want to add anything else to it. Folks, you got to remove the dead things because the longer they stay there, the messier they get. Jesus in this says, you know what we do with things that don't bear any fruit? We cut them off and we throw them in the fire. We cut them off and we throw them in the fire because what they're doing is just sucking nourishment out of us. But then this part, and I just caught this this time reading the scripture. I've probably read it a billion times. And it says, 
even the healthy ones, the ones that do bear fruit, are pruned. The, the branches that bear fruit are pruned. Now think about that. I'm doing everything right. I'm bearing fruit. I'm fixing my relationships. I'm, the things are going well. Why is this bad stuff happening? Why am I being pruned? Because God says, hey, even if you're doing it right, you're still going to get pruned. You don't get an easy street. Like we, our motivation is not like, oh, I'm going to do everything right for God so, so I, I get, you know, get a padded walkway of, where, of life. That's not the way it goes. So even if you're doing it right, even if you're bearing fruit, you're going to get pruned. Now, I'll tell you about prunage. I don't know if that's a word, but uh, I'll tell you about being pruned. Pr- being pruned is very, very important to the health of, of plants. You can tell someone who knows something about horticulture and someone who doesn't me by the amount of pruning they do on their plants. My backdoor neighbor, Mike, prunes the tar out of his plants. Like he's got these beautiful bushes and at the end of fall, they're like this big. Like he killed them all. He killed them all. Now I'm all for weed whacking my plants. I don't believe that's how you're supposed to do it. But um, he, he prunes it all down in the next spring, this beautiful thing. I'm like, well, I don't want to do that. The thing finally took off. I don't prune. I got ugly roses. He's got gorgeous roses. You know why? I don't do the hard work of pruning. It's thorny. Right? The same thing happens with our own God, with our own lives. When we deal with God, how do we know if it's from the devil or how do we know if it's from God and pruning? Because a lot of times, sometimes I have this conversation with God's just giving me more than I can handle right now. Whoa, 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 whoa. Pump the brakes. Let's stop for a second. God's not attacking you. Okay, God didn't cause that sickness to happen. God's not trying to hit you like a -a whack-a-mole thing. That's not God. Satan will try to trick you into that every day of the week. Okay, that's not God. Where God is, what pruning looks like is generally with issues of pride. If we look at even the majority of sin is really just a pride issue. And so if you feel yourself getting cut, why is that? Well, you're getting a little too big for your britches. Yeah, I'm bearing fruit. Look at me. I'm fantastic. I'm not so fantastic anymore. What's going on? It's because you're getting so big. Um, as my, the same grandpa would say, you're a little hot snot in a champagne glass. I have no idea what that means, but I think it has something to do with pride. Okay, that's what he would say all the time. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, so when... When we get engaged in prideful activities, when we get engaged in the way in which we, um, we start thinking more about ourselves and how we do that, God is like, oh, well, let's, let's cut this back because I want you to get healthy again. You were doing good. You bore some fruit. Let's cut you back a little bit. That's a painful process, but it's a necessary process. And then after that, guess what? The next year, the next season, after, after a berry bush has been pruned back or roses have been pruned back, boom, there's an explosion of more healthy fruit. Verse 2 says, He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, and while every branch he, that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. Consider an honor of the kingdom to be pruned. It shows a couple of things. It shows you're growing. It shows you're bearing fruit. And it shows you're effective. Often where you want the most growth in your life is actually the place you need the most pruning. And that might be pretty painful, right? That might be pretty, a big ask. 
But often the places that you want to grow the most are the places you need to subject yourself to the most pruning. So let's explore this pruning. How do we figure this out? How do we know what needs to be pruned? How do we start that process? I think there's some questions you can ask yourself. What are the dead things in my, that I keep on bringing into my life? What are the dead things that, that I bring into my life? Are they habits? Are they hobbies? Maybe you just bring too much. If you watch news 24-7, I don't care if it's MSNBC, CNN, or Fox News. If you watch any of them for, like, it's the only thing on your TV, you are bringing dead things into your life. I immediately noticed my attitude get better when I stopped watching uh, 24 News Cycle. Like, immediately my attitude was like, oh, the sun actually does shine. Did you know this? Right? It's not falling on me. It's okay. I still read plenty of news. I, I get it from different sources, but I don't consume like, oh, what's Brett Bear going to say now? Like, what's, oh, Shepard, what's he doing? What's Wolf going to say about that? Maybe, maybe that's just an easy one. You got to take some dead stuff out of your life. There's all kinds of dead things that we can remove from our life. Maybe they're big. Maybe they're small. I don't know what they are for you. But as you ponder that, as you pray through that, Lord, what's the dead stuff in my life? And when you get a nudge, and you're like, oh, I don't want to remove that one from my life. That's probably the one you need to remove from your life. If you're married, ask your spouse to help you with that. Spouses don't respond with nagging. Respond with encouragement. That's important. What are the dead things that you need to bring or cut out of your life? Where do you need to prune? Where's the pride at? Where do you need to check yourself? And where in your life do you want new life? This one's the one that's going to probably motivate me the most this year. Where do I want new life? Where do I want new experiences? Where do I want, um, what do I want to be richer and deeper? I want my relationship with my children to be deep and beautiful. So how do I need to bring life into that? Well, I'll tell you one thing. It needs to stop with them associating daddy with a remote. Right? So how do I bring life? Maybe there's other ways. I don't want them to see me only as the disciplinarian, but as the one who teaches and guides. How does that work? Well, that started yesterday by me spending three and a half hours cleaning Bowen's room. Someone was praying for me, and thank you, whoever that person was. Right? I didn't even get mad. I was so happy with myself. Uh, maybe that's a little pride. i got to remove that now. Uh, but where do you need to prune? Where in your life do you want new life. Where do you want to invest? Where do you want to see fruit? Because if this year is going to be a year that, that really grows you and that life is brought around you, you got to ask this question. You can't have new life without investing life into it, without asking the hard questions, without being able to take the pruners and chopping away some stuff. Jesus says, I'll prune you with my scripture, with my word. I'll prune you to make you more fruitful. Pruning can feel like betrayal. Pruning can feel like you're being attacked by God. Instead, it's the process necessary for the growth you have been praying for. Now, let's make this year focused on bringing life instead of dwelling on the dead. Some of us are consumed with dead relationships, with dead leads with dead opportunities. 
We're consumed with what happened in the past. We're consumed with grief. We're consumed with sorrow. We're consumed with missed opportunities. Maybe you look at this and go, man, did I mess up that marriage? Man, did I mess up my kids? Man, did I mess up my work life? Folks, that doesn't do anything good. Continuing to bring that back in your life is just bringing more dead stuff and more dead stuff and more dead stuff back in. Instead, let's think, how can I reinvest into my kids? How do I heal and how do I invest in new relationship? How do I love the people around me? How do I love my community better? How do I love my neighbor better? How do I love the people at church better? So it's a focus of looking back into the past and, and gazing at dead trees We're changing our focus to the living and to the life-giving. The fruit is in the life. No fruit ever came from a dead branch. And so we need to be willing to let God prune those off and throw them away. For you in this morning, in this new year, may you have the strength to prune where it needs to be pruned. May you have the courage to take out the trash. Kelly and I have been, we had set a goal. Kelly has set a goal. I apparently was along for the ride. Uh, Kelly set a goal. I think she's talking to Joy Naskin too much. Uh, of removing a thousand things from our house. A thousand items. Gotta go from our house. We removed, I think, 623 things from our master bedroom and our kitchen alone. Just two rooms. That's a lot of junk. And you're like, wow, you're a clutter and you're a, you're a hoarder, Jared. Go do it yourself and see how you're like, oh. You know how many sippy cups we had? You know how many sippy cups a girl can drink out of? She two fist drinks all the time. She's got water, wawa in one and milk in the other. Boom, boom, boom. She's going for it. But there's only two. Only two. She only needs, only needs two. But this is just the deal. I was ready to throw out all the plates. And like every person in the family just gets one plate, one cup, one suit bowl. <laughs> Kelly didn't go for that. Uh, but, um, and we threw all kinds of stuff. And then, and then yesterday in Bowen's room, we started cleaning out stuff. I took two 50-gallon black trash bags out and three 20-gallon kitchen trash bags out of his room of junk. And you're like, man, you guys are hoarders. I'm telling you, you would never have known. It's just stuff. It's McDonald's toys. It's dead things. And you've got the same stuff in your own home, but you've got the same stuff in your heart and in your brain and that you've been carrying around and you don't need it anymore. We've been going in the basement. <laughs> been going in the basement and we started working on it. And we got to the portion that was all of the, um, I can't think of what they are called. Um the knickknacks that you pack with you, all your stuff from high school, your yearbooks, your, your stuff, the baby clothes, all the, your baby clothes because you needed that. Um, I'm not going to fit into it anymore. Any more time. Uh, all that stuff that you've kept for years and years and years, and we're opening boxes. And, um, and Kelly's like, that one's not mine, right? I'm like, yeah, it's yours. Ugh, that one's not mine, is it? It says your name on it. It says Jared this. It, it hasn't been that for years. Ugh. And thankfully... All of hers were on the top. She didn't notice mine were on the bottom. But um, you know, like all this stuff, and she, we start going through it, and we're getting rid of things. Like, why do I have this? Why? 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 One of the things, Bowen was down there um, helping us. He was actually helping. It was awesome. 
And Kelly started tearing up, but she was throwing away this doll that she had. She's like, I don't need this. I don't need it. And then she's got tears in her eyes. And Bowen's like, Daddy, why is she crying afterwards? Why did she cry about that? Because that was her. There's a lot of memories in that doll. There was a lot of, lot of, lot of playtime with that doll. I didn't force her. I'm not mean. I didn't like, you have to throw the, that's 999. We got to go over the threshold. That was not the, that was not the thing. But she started tearing up as she got rid of this doll. And Bowen's like, why would she do that? Because it's time to move on. It's time to remove that. It's time to, okay. In the stuff in our life, the stuff that you need to deal with, there's going to be tears. There's going to be hard moments. But you know what? That left a pretty big impression on Bowen. And so we did that on Friday night. On Saturday, we cleaned his room. I guarantee you, he would not, I would not have gotten five trash bags of stuff out of his room if he hadn't seen his mom deal with the hard stuff the night before. In your life, in your marriage, if you want to see stuff start to be removed and start the, the pruning start to happen, you want to see the fruit start to be growing, it's got to come from your life first, and then it will flow into your marriage and it will flow into your kid's life as well. Let's make this year a year focused on bringing life instead of dwelling on the dead. Let me pray for us. Ben, come on up. <clears throat> God, thank you so much for today. Lord, I, I want to be about life. I want to be about being a life bringer into the relationships that I have, into the conversations that I have, and to the, to the people you have blessed me to come in contact with. And God, I, I pray that for everyone in this room, that relationships would change, that families would change, that, that parenting would change, that marriages would change, because we are focusing our lives, instead of on the dead things, over the old arguments or the same old things that we keep on bringing up, that those would be dead, and we would remove those from our life, and we would focus in on the life. What can bring life into our marriages? What can bring life into our parenting? What can bring life into our own psyche? God, we ask you to show that to us. We ask you to make this a year of life bringing instead of focusing on the dead. God, we ask you to be with us, to give us the strength and the courage to do it. And in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us at church this week. I hope you enjoyed this week's teaching. If you have any questions or comments, shoot an email to office at scog.com. To continue to support our mission to reach, grow, and serve our community for Christ, you can give online at scog.com or through the app. See you next week.